Hey, Jay Akunzo, this is Unthinkable, and um, while we're between seasons and I'm producing season four for you, I have been rerunning a lot of old episodes, and, and that's taken me down memory lane, and, and few things are as caught up in the journey of making this show for me, quite like a man that we lost last week, uh, Anthony Bourdain. Now, I didn't know Anthony Bourdain. I looked up to him. I saw him speak several times. I was a big fan of his his writing, his shows, his thinking. And, uh, and because we lost him, I couldn't not try and uh, create a tribute for this man because really the early versions of Unthinkable were an adaptation to my personality and my topical area of his program. I actually sat down with a notebook and tried to extract the underlying framework of his show on CNN and apply that to my show. So he's been an inspiration and and almost a hero. I, I don't normally believe in having heroes, but I believed in this man. And, and this is my tribute that I sent to my newsletter called Damn the Best Practices. If you haven't subscribed, there's a link in the show notes. Uh, it's, a, it's an atypical edition of Damn the Best Practices, but, uh, but I had to do it to try and honor this guy who just provided so much inspiration to my career creatively. So here it is, a brief tribute from me to Anthony Bourdain. May he rest in power. In the quiet of the morning... The world feels hopeful to me. In the still of the evening, it feels somewhat sad. In both moments, I'm reminded of something crucial. I'm reminded why I do this work. I want to make you feel. On Friday, we lost Anthony Bourdain, the man whose stories always made me feel. I've written and rewritten and rewritten again this very paragraph that I'm reading right now at least 10 times trying to find the words to say something, anything at all, that can capture how I'm feeling, or why I think Bourdain mattered this much. And then I'd like to tease out some kind of valuable lesson that I could share with you for use in your work, because that's what I want to do as a storyteller. But now, here we are, arriving at the end of this paragraph, and all I can say is, it sucks. It sucks that a man so capable of moving others with his words will speak no more. It sucks that a guy whose stories can shake you to your very bones has told his last story. It sucks that my hero is gone. It sucks. I latched onto Bourdain's work really early in my career precisely because I thought something in the working world sucked. I thought it was awful how companies and careers often squeeze out creativity from your work. This might begin in school, but it's perpetuated or even accelerated in most companies by most leaders. It also sucks that so many people view their jobs like a chore, or that so many teams settle for average work. And most importantly to me personally, I can't stand that wonder and work aren't typically ideas that go together. At this point in the episode, I'd zoom out. I'd say something pithy. I would step back from a human story to draw out some kind of universal truth that we can all apply to our respective careers. In a way, that very skill is what made Anthony Bourdain such a magical storyteller to me. 
He shared human stories that also conveyed a universal theme, but he balanced those two things so incredibly well. Because focus too much on the individual person and a story becomes less relatable. It might be interesting and enjoyable on the surface, but it might not move you or change you in quite the same and deep way. On the other hand, emphasize the universal theme too much, and now the story becomes too didactic or perhaps even oversimplified. So for a story to really resonate deeply, to really do its job, I think the audience has to be able to get lost in the human components, but still somehow receive the universal theme, however subtly that happens. But make no mistake, it's such a fine line to walk. Anthony Bourdain sauntered down that line. Bourdain's show on CNN was called Parts Unknown, and that name might refer to physical places, but I have this sneaking suspicion that it actually refers to emotional ones. In fact, one of my biggest regrets was not asking him if that hunch was correct during the Q&A portion of a talk I attended while Bourdain was touring in Boston. Tony, as his friends would call him, had a rare ability and a relentless determination to find big moments and moving stories inside the seemingly mundane details of people's lives. That is the very skill I want to master in the workplace. When it came to Bourdain's stories, I always found myself asking, how, how can this food truck be this compelling? Why is this family dinner so damn impressive? Why does a late-night taco stand trigger a burning desire in my gut to create amazing art? And how can I relate this much to someone that seems to have so little in common with me at first glance? The answer? Anthony Bourdain was telling the story. In each episode of his show, I felt like Bourdain and I would sit with an idea, a person, a meal, a place... We'd explore it. We would adventure down inside of it rather than around it like so many superficial travel shows. And there, in the depths of that place or that moment, in the crevices that few storytellers dared to try and reach, we'd arrive at parts unknown. And there, I'd feel something. Together with his production team at 0.0, Bourdain's style allowed me to feel that something. It gave me the space I need to do so. Longtime listeners to Unthinkable might remember a few episodes where I ended with some music and I called it some space to feel stuff. Well, now you know why. Because Bourdain would allow me to feel stuff, and that power was something I wanted you to experience too. In all of his interviews with his subjects, Bourdain would ask simple questions, never clogging the tape with too much of his own voice. Even when he'd lay his voiceover for a story, he would use only the precise and vivid words necessary to convey something with his narration. And oh, that narration. He would use sounds and music and even periodic and haunting and lingering moments of silence. All of which helped you feel. Anthony Bourdain's stories didn't reveal anything so much as remind you of things. Things that you knew about all along, but you'd buried somewhere just out of reach. Like that angry food critic in the movie Ratatouille, who's brought to tears from the bite of a meal reminiscent of his childhood, just one little moment inside an episode of Parts Unknown, or No Reservations, or one of Anthony Bourdain's books or articles, all of those little tiny things could be a refreshing shock to my system. 
Bourdain's work could reset me from the daily routine such that I felt an overwhelming sense of wonder again. Wonder in the work, wonder in the world. Through laughter, sadness, and everything in the emotional spectrum in between, he would remind me about the power of feeling something deep and primal about the work that you do. In his own unique way, Bourdain was like that hopeful morning quiet, or that melancholy evening. Only he was on demand on Netflix, and way more sarcastic. Now, I've made no secret publicly. I aspire to be the Anthony Bourdain of the working world. I want to tell those kinds of stories that he told and focus them on people who do meaningful work. His lens or his doorway into that meaning was food. Mine is career. Each are a sort of universal that we can all relate to in order to get on the same page and then go on a journey together. Just like Bourdain, I want to pull out those emotions from the seemingly day-to-day mundane details of people's careers, companies, and industries. I want to be the Anthony Bourdain of the working world. Is that a delusional thing to want? I mean, maybe, but I'd quote the man himself. I think anyone who tells a story with the expectation that someone is going to listen to it or should listen, they're already kind of a freak, you know? There's already something a little bit monstrous about them because there's a leap of faith there that's not normal. You're assuming I'm special, I have something interesting to say that other people will actually care enough to buy a book or continue watching on TV past the commercial break. This is not reasonable thinking. Then again, Bourdain didn't shy away from pursuing this rather irrational thinking. Here's another quote from him that hits me directly in the chest. Don't aspire to mediocrity. Even if you fail, Try to be awesome at something, anything. It doesn't matter. Just try to be awesome. Anthony Bourdain's work shook me to my core, to the point where I'd be reminded that my core was there at all. Time and time again, he would take one of his overly tanned fingers, gnarled from his years in the kitchen, shaking from decades of substance abuse, and he'd reach that finger out through my TV screen, and tap me on the chest. Remember, he'd say. Oh my God, I'd reply. I remember now. I feel something now. How could I ever forget? So farewell to the great Anthony Bourdain. I'll never forget how you made me feel. like making things, whether it's a TV show, uh, a story. I like the process of, of putting these pieces and elements together. Being a chef, cooking, I think that's been useful in being, learning to like something so temporary, so fleeting, and having a, one tiny golden moment where you, you say, hey, that, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs>